Rethink Retail, the evolution of retail in today's connected world. Welcome to the Rethink Retail Show, your source for the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. Join host Julia Raymond as she explores the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. Hi, today we're kicking off another episode of Rethink Retail with my guest, Jeremy Brazil. Jeremy is the Executive Creative Director and Head of Marketing at Reality Interactive, a multi-award winning retail technology and design agency. The firm specializes in creating and managing innovative retail experiences using touchscreen displays, digital signage, digital media, and a full suite of interactive and creative technologies. Jeremy, welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us today. Oh, thanks, Julia. It's nice to be here. Well, I'd like to kick it off. I, you know, dug around your profile a little bit and I saw on LinkedIn that you spent quite some time serving as creative director at Lego and Coca-Cola, two iconic brands. And it's quite a leap. You went from toys to beverage to tech. And I wanted to hear from you a little bit about what that journey has been like uh, to now at Reality Interactive. Sure. I've uh, definitely diversified. That is the truth. I wouldn't necessarily call that a leap, though. I think there's a leap from a customer or consumer point because, you know, there's one thing about, you know, when you're talking to children versus somebody who's going to be into a Coca-Cola product. But at Lego, we were also talking to parents. So I've always been involved in, in building very progressive digital experiences at Lego. So the digital has always really been a part of what I do. Coke was more traditional marketing or content development, but I still collaborated with their digital team. So their digital platform and technology and innovation team. And I worked with them quite a bit as well there. So there's always been a, I would say a tether within technology for me. So after I left Coke, the career had been pretty long in working with these big companies. And I was really just set to kind of do things on my own. And I came across this job posting at Reality, right? It said in it that they had the most talented team in the state. And I found that like, I was like, all right, well, uh, I'm going to have to check this out and, and, you know, make that opinion for myself. And you know what? They were right. And I like to build things that are awesome. And so do they. And it was just like, all right, well, I guess, you know, I'm going to go on to the, like the agency side, which is kind of insane because it's usually the <laughs> other way around, you know, like what I bring in addition to what the team is already doing. And that was amazing is that what I bring to that scenario is I spent a long time on the other side of the fence, right? So mm-hmm. I know what our clients are dealing with. And then, you know, at the at the end of it, I, I would I would like to say that they were wrong about being the best team in the state. They're like the best team in the country, like hands down, super talented. And I would say you have the awards to back that up because when I was looking at Reality Interactive's website, I was I was pretty blown away. You know, you see a lot of agencies, they don't have many awards listed and there were many, many, many. So that was exciting to see. Yeah, we do have a lot of awards. When when we enter them, uh, we generally win an award. I'm being very, very strategic now about what awards we wanna we wanna go for. But yeah, we are recognized, and you know, uh, we continue to be recognized uh, for the work that the team's doing. So yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And coming from you have the perspective of working with large corporations, and and now you're in this role that is much more on the agency side, like you said, a little bit of dealing with clients' craziness, I'm sure. 
can you tell me how the pandemic has affected this side of the business for you guys? I mean, adapting to contactless technology. I know you guys do a lot with touch screens. What has that been like? Look, we just like, I mean, it's crazy that it's been a year. Um, <laughs> it really is. Honestly. <laughs> But, you know, we we were just at the same point as everybody else, as our clients, like, what's next? Because it was a light switch. You know, the warning signs were there, but it was a light switch. Like, all of a sudden, you know, we have clients coming to us like, all right, what are we going to do? Like, we can't even open our retail, let alone. And then what's going to happen when, they, when we're allowed to have customers come in the store again? Are they going to be freaked out because of all our touchscreens and things of that nature. So we we really did, we explored a lot of opportunities. Uh, we, lo- we looked at like, all right, well, if it's, an, if it's a giant touchscreen and it's got an app that we built on it, how can we then mirror that onto somebody's phone if somebody doesn't want to touch it? How, how can, you know, we, we use UV or, or you know, how, what, can we, what can we put on the screen? So I, I, we went through these exercises, these design thinking exercises on, on how, how we can either partner with other companies or build solutions that address it, right? Honestly, that, that is one of the first shifts back to normal that we've seen is is the touch side of it. People aren't as freaked out about touching as a screen as initially thought. So that's actually just one example of how we see things return to normal pretty quickly. But then the other side of it really is, all right, well, how, how, do, so how do you build something once that can be everywhere? Something that can also be on the website, something that can also be on an app, or on somebody's phone. So we were already starting to go that way. And then this hit and we were like, all right, thank God we started thinking this way already. Let's make this happen. And, and that's, how, that's how we are actually approaching most of our projects now. We have this product access, for example, which is started as like a digital screen that takes temperatures, but now it's an entire platform that supports, you know, door lock integrations, you know, to like break rooms or time clock integrations, takes temperature, you can you can use it to do health check quizzes or wellness quizzes. It's not just about contact tracing. It's also about like the general mood of your employees. You can do these quizzes and then it activates and, and scans QR codes. So Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, so, you know, you can build like a custom quiz, for example, on the topic of quizzes and send that to somebody through email and when they're at their home and they can take it and then it generates a QR code. And then when they come into work, they scan the QR code, you get the temperature read and you find out, you know, all their contact tracing information or whether they're in a good mood or whether they're motivated or whether they're engaged, whether they're excited about your customers, like whatever you want to ask them. And that that's just like one aspect of it. So we did pivot our business model a bit to be able to, to build out solutions like that, which was huge. It's like not only, all right, how else can we help you? How else can we help our partners? Um, and by the way, here's something that we could actually get more partners in, you know, if, if you need a product like this. And then, hey, maybe down the road, we start talking a little bit about about how we can help you with your other digital solutions or whatever. So like there, there's like that side of, of what we're doing, which is which has been a focus for us. Yeah, I like that pivot for two reasons. Uh, one, because it's just it seems like the right thing to do. Let's focus on your employees who, you know, 
a year ago were, were very scared. Am I going to go to work and die? You know, and that's something retailers had to step up and handle. But then it also touches on the the flip side, which is there were a lot of retailers who got bad press that people were saying they weren't taking care of their employees. So that kind of covers both both angles. You spoke earlier about being where the customer is. And I think when people hear that, their brains, uh, and I'm not speaking for everyone, but a lot of people go straight to, okay, yeah, that means the retailer is on all the channels that I'm, I shop on. But it's more than that, because now we're entering this new era that you're heading up where the digital experience that they expect in-store is also on their phone, is also on desktop, is also on any channel that they're interacting with. So it's not just the ability to to have a transaction. It's actually digital experiences are everywhere. Yes, yes. So we're seeing the dawn of a definitely a new age in, in that. I, and I, I really don't think, I think this happened a long time ago, to be honest, but I think there's some companies or businesses that were a bit in denial about it. And there's some huge challenges. You know, it's a lot, so for example, it's, it's easier for a smaller mom and pop type business. You know, maybe they have two or three stores to build digital experiences where they can meet somebody in their house, but then they don't tend to have the budgets to maybe do that type of thing. Maybe they do, but um, it's the bigger companies that are then like, all right, well, how do I, what is, what will be the reason for that retail, the more brick and mortar, if you want to call it that, you know, location, if everybody's just not going to leave their house. So let's get people to the brick and mortar location because they want, there's a, a localization need, right? There's, if you're a big brand and you have say a bunch of brand stores, you need that brand store to really get credit for the sales, to keep the, the sales associates involved in the process. Uh, all that type of stuff. So if you build a digital solution that is more of, say, not global in the sense of um, global world, but global as in one solution for all your retailers, right? Uh, and it doesn't localize that connection to your sales associates, that's a problem. So, so you have to think that path too, right? So building a solution that sits anywhere, kind of retail everywhere, I, I don't want to coin another like phrase. <laughs> Let's just call it retail. All right. So retail, whether it's retail on someone's phone or retail on, on a website or retail in a store needs to be able to localize, right? So connect into that local business. So you can have maybe some one-to-one dialogue still with your local salesperson or sales associate or expert, right? On, on whatever it is you're buying but then also have that right handoff. So if you're, so it's all really about that too, like the solution and then the handoff. So, you know, be able to, to either then figure out what you want and have it tie into the e-com sale and then you, you know, get it at home or if it's something you need to try on to make sure that it shows up at your local retailer or brand store and then you go there and you have this curated experience. And would you categorize that as design thinking, the, the localization aspect? Well, that comes up in design thinking, right? We happen to be a company that uses design thinking. You know, a lot of times design thinking is centered around product development, but but we do follow the process, right? So we, if we're working with a client, we're asking all those questions. Like, 
every single question. Like, let's look at all the demographics. How many percentages of people are now converted to digital only and aren't going to go back to retail or not going to go back to their local restaurants or not going to go back to this, that, or whatever, right? Um, and then how many are and, and how many of them are kind of in between? So, we always look at that and then you you map those journeys for each one of those people. So it's a it's a pretty long process. But then, you know, it's it's definitely you come up with solutions that, that are more long term. Definitely. And long term is is a tough nut to crack. And because you've been um, on the retail side and now on the agency side, do you, what's your take on demos? I'm just curious because I know a lot of operations when it comes to a new experience they're they're demoed in, in the flagship store first and and then rolled out later yeah we we do that yeah we love doing that because you can't you know back in when it was just digital you used to call that you know qa having a retail location where you're doing the same thing like smaller rollouts is key and we do that with a lot of our bigger clients you know we have these massive like endless aisle solutions for example or these big cx experiences so we have these these uh big opportunities we always we always test them first and we monitor them because you know part of what we do is we have a support team so we're not just like a company that <laughs> creates some solution that blows people's minds, sells it in and builds it and then walks away. We tend to work with them in in some sort of a support contract if they need and we monitor, right? So we make sure that it's always up and running that, you know, like our uptime for our screens at retail is like 95%. And I'm not exaggerating. Wow. We tend to know, we tend to know when a screen goes blank before the, before our, our partners do. We we have this full monitoring system and we roll these things out and we keep an eye on them and we tweak them, we we update the software if needed, we roll things out very quickly. It's really about the way that we work. We're we're end to end and then and anywhere in between, right? So if if a client doesn't want that, if they want to support it themselves, that's fine, you know, that'll be part of our our agreement or we 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 keep an eye on it for them. Yeah. So yeah, I get your question for test. Do I like testing? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so you're still on board. <laughs> yeah. Test early, test often, mm-hmm. you know, because here's the deal. Let's be honest. A lot of your sales associates are busy because of the pandemic and, you know, how, what retail might look in the future. You might be keeping more stuff, more stuff in back, opening up your stores a little bit. You might mm-hmm. have less sales associates. Uh, and depending on like who you know the brand is partnered with, if you're not owning your own retail environment, if you're you, if you're selling in to another you know retailer like you know a, a big a big box or or something like that, you don't really have control of whether that customer experience is working or whether somebody's staying on top of it and all these things. So it's really beneficial to work with partners that keep an eye on that for you. Um, and then also actually address those situations. Like I, I've been to some retail establishments, some bigger ones, when I want to buy something and I can't find anybody to ask a question. You know, like there's nobody there. And I'm like, all right, well, here's 
seven versions of product X from seven different companies. What am I going to buy? Am I going to, you know, lift it up? Like, is it the color? Like, why is, what's the differentiator? So everything for us is, is test early, test often. Like how, how do you, how do you create an environment where somebody can, can find a product that's right for them, can compare it with other products, can then have like an effective handoff. Cause I'm going to go back to that. Like it's all about the handoff, right. On that experience. So say they're at retail, they have a handoff of like, all right, this is what I want. Now here, just go get this for me. You know, bring it up to the cash wrap, scan this barcode or, or a QR code or whatever ended up on the phone, you know, and go find it for me so I can leave and get home to, to the things that I like to do. Mm-hmm. Truly a service. And I think your point is correct. Um, we just had Mina Fader from the, the Wharton School on the podcast, and she was saying similar things. That retail at the core is still about people wanting to go experience the products, try them on, and also get that expertise from the store associates. That is true. It is true. I, th- I think retail of the future, and once again, I think, you know, retail is retail. Like, People look at it as retail. Like I'm going to buy something. I'm going to buy it here. I'm going to buy it here. I'm going to buy it here. You know, I'm not, they're not, they're not like, Oh, well, I'm going to go to the locals, <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, it's, they don't look at it that way unless you're a company like Nintendo or one of these, these companies that have, can I even say them, their names? Well, we said Lego a bunch of times, but you know, at least that have these brand stores that, that you can go to and it's immersive and, and, you know, quite honestly, you can bring your kids to and they're like, yes, I'm fine with sitting in the car for an hour because I'm going to go to this place like those companies. It's it's about the now the proper use of your channel. It's or the proper use of all your channels and ensuring that, yes, people are going to go back like retail is far from dead. We need retail. Everybody loves retail. You can go to a country, say like China, and look at all the brand stores that are in Shanghai and, you know, know that retail is here to stay. And they're, they're, you just have to find a different way for the transaction side of it. So, you know, like people want that experience. But hey, you might as well like retool your retail if necessary. So it makes sense. You know, so it makes sense that, all right, somebody's going to go there for, for more, maybe it's more of a curated, more of it's a, it's a white glove, more premium experience. And I, I like how you mentioned China, because that's one of the things I also echo on this podcast and speaking with a lot of people in retail, because they, they are doing a lot of really innovative things. And it's, it's interesting to see how the numbers are doing there. Sometimes you have to take them with a grain of salt, but I, I see a lot of new store openings. I Just on LinkedIn this morning, I saw that there was a new retail experience rollout within one of their malls. So, you know, it's going to come back. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, China is an interesting dynamic that, that we're probably going to see here that's been going on there a long time. So you, you have these big brands that are putting in, you know, there's massive malls there. I mean, the malls there are like, 10 stories tall crazy uh, with all these like high-end high-end brand stores and things of that nature and people go there and they don't buy anything there like a lot of times that you're they're not buying the things at retail it's it's tourists it's visitors it's people that then go they find what they want and then they're getting it somewhere else that's been a dynamic there for for quite a while that's why you can go 
you can go around in like three different malls within maybe 10 miles of each other and see the same big brand stores, right? The pandemic has forced people to buy a lot more clothes online and things of that nature, but they're still going to want to be maybe like be able to exchange them easy, or maybe they'll order them to get delivered to a local store and then just try it on. Uh, so they don't have to make some kind of like financial commitment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Apparel is is one of those wild cards a little bit. I don't think we're we're totally there yet in terms of of digital try-on, but not to say that won't be a reality in five to 10 years from now, I could totally see it. And speaking of that and trends and where things are headed, I know digital signage is a big part of, of what you work on at Reality Interactive. Do you see any trends that are notable with your clients that other retailers might want to be looking into? Yeah. So, so I had mentioned product comparisons, stuff like that. So Endless Aisle, that's a big one. We do have clients where there, there's a diversification of, of products that they're offering and their sales associates can't necessarily be experts on all of it. There, there's two scenarios there. One, maybe there is an available sales associate and you got like the younger generation that are now, you know, have, have high levels of spending power are more digital natives. So they're going to go in and they'll be like, I'll just find it myself. I don't, I don't, I don't need a sales associate and actually, please don't bother me. We build these solutions where you can go up to a digital screen and you can either the salesperson can do it for you or you can say, all right, I want this product. All right. So here's a couple like what I now let's compare them. And that's all tied into say, the e-com API or product API and their product databases, you know, so that's a big thing that we do. And then we also have created tools that allow localization to that, right? So, so you might have a store that's in one location that has a certain set of pricing, but then in another location, they have some different pricing. Maybe they're running a sale. So you can do more real-time price changing within that. So there's that integration. So that's what I'm talking about. Some localization needs, right? Sure. And that came up in luxury, how important that is in the different markets. Right. It, it, you need these flexible tools that, that can do that. So that's that's one trend that I'm seeing. And then the other thing is, is customizers or product recommendations. So product recommendations, quizzes, all that stuff has been around for years. We, you know, we developed stuff at Lego that we're doing it in, you know, 2012, right? But now it's become such a part of like daily behavior, you know, with social media, doing quizzes all the time. And we want an effective quiz that's like five questions to give you a product recommendation, like what's right for you, who you are, what's right for you, right? Then having that tie into say like endless aisle to pull like the right products. So you're not having to navigate the sea of overwhelming things, right? So that type of stuff. So we're seeing a lot of that and we're working on a lot of that type of thing. AR, obviously AR is like trying to figure out the right way to use AR. You know, that doesn't really uh, work very well in retail right now. So, you know, to build like a customizer that's an AR on a phone, right? So if you have a product and you want to choose the color of it, or you want to choose textures or these things, and then you want to see what it looks like in your house. Well, you can do that on a kiosk too, but you're going to just put in like more of a generic background. Mm-hmm. It's really about, it's about the tool and that it's a, it's more of a 3D based product tool that if you're working with the right partner, they're going to develop that way. All right. Well, on a phone, it's AR. Boom. Like that is amazing. And that's going to look incredible. And that's going to get somebody to buy it. And they're going to be able to buy it directly from, you know, your e platform. 
or it's in a it's in a digital screen within retail and they can build it and customize it and see what it looks like in a generic house or something. I don't know. But you know, these are all tools that I think are are powerful and they're gonna be a big part of of retail moving forward. Absolutely. And you named four. Um, so to recap quickly, you said product comparisons, endless aisle personalization, especially with, with quizzes and then AR. And I want to just ask a little bit more about the personalization because you said it's been around forever and it has, but now we're seeing this resurgence and I see it, whether I'm on Instagram or any other social media and people are really drawn towards these, these quizzes. So why is that? Do you think, what do you think is the reason? Well, I am not a sociologist, (laughs) but I've been around for a while. um, And, you know, part of what we do is study, you know, we observe human behavior. You get better solutions when you do that. There's so much out there. There is so much out there. There There's so many products. There are so many trends to follow. There are so many people knocking on your door, your digital door trying to sell you something it helps you know it helps focus right mm-hmm. so we've become a little analysis paralysis with all of the choices out there yeah Maybe. i mean the world is overwhelming like the, it's it's busy it's loud it's vying for your attention now like you're in in your house and you think that helps tone it out but you're spending more time on the computer you're shopping more you know, there might be a little retail therapy in there. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, once again, that's not my not my line of work. But, you know, I think, yeah, it just helps. It helps. And it helps retailers and businesses, companies know who they're talking to, you know? And that's, like, the biggest thing, right? It's like we – the most – you asked me earlier about pro, uh, projects that I've been involved in that I, I was mostly excited about. and And it was always, like, all right, well – We've pulled all this information. We might not know this person's actual born name or where they live, but we kind of know like where they live, you know, demographic, um, you know, geo locations on, on where some of these, these demographics are sitting, you know, what their household income might be, you know, their age. And then we can use that information to, and then how they fill out quizzes or where they navigate on a, on a site, you can kind of figure out what they're into. And then, you know, you can then use that to find like-minded people. And that's a, that's a really powerful tool. So any digital team or retail technology company or technology company that is selling you something that is worth a grain of salt is putting the tools in place to pull analytics and data. So you can, you can see who, these peop- who, who the people are that are interested in you. Mm-hmm. It should be in their toolbox. Right. Part of part of our culture. I mean, gosh, like dating apps do it. You know, I mean, everything does it, right? Yeah, I, I think you're right. And there's that comes back to the exchange. Okay, I'll I'll tell you my age range and I'll tell you more information that's personally identifying if you can tell me which sofa is best for me or whatever the product is. Yeah, it's symbiotic. And you know, as long as a company is is being responsible on what data they're asking for, it's all good. It's all good. Mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. helps everybody. Um, and people are like, look, our job is to do two things, make customers' lives easier 
and sell businesses products. That's what a digital company such as us, uh, you know, reality does. That's, that's our purpose. And are there any clients that you can chat a little bit about? Because I saw a lot of big names on the website, really cool videos describing the work you guys did. So is there anyone that comes to mind that you're allowed to speak about? <laughs> I love all that. I love all our partners. I got to be honest, they're really amazing companies to work for and to create solutions for. And like the people that we work with are just really, you know, like they're great. I, I would say based on like magnitude or, or what we've done for them, our biggest right now would be Spectrum, which, you know, is part of Charter. Mm-hmm. I have Spectrum. <laughs> yeah. And BMW, they're a big one for us that, that you know, we have just like a 17 or 15 year relationship with them. They're one of our first clients. And that that was one that's mostly digital now because we build, we just recently, you know, we were very involved with digital catalog originally when that was a thing. So that's how far we're going back here. Um, and then, you know, built their e-com platform for North America, not their global one, but North. And then we just recently rebuilt that and redesigned and relaunched it. And it's gone gangbusters about, you know, like it's doing really well. And we launched that at the beginning of last year. Um, so, you know, we, we not only build that for them, but we, we manage it and that that's a big one. And so we always have fun pro projects with them. You know, we just did a uh, visualizer where you can, choose your car and see what different wheels look like on it and all that kind of stuff. So that was a cool project, but spectrum. Now that one, that one shows our, our full value proposition. We have this, I mentioned it earlier and it, it's actually registered. It's called uh, retail rugged. It's like a 96, I think uh, six point checklist on everything. So we make sure like, connectivity is correct is it's hardwired like how our content how our content is distributed to all the screens you know the hardware is is strong and it's not it's gonna it's gonna stand up to the tests of of a retail environment you know we can run, roll things out across one store or hundreds of stores throughout the country get everything right up and running monitor it handle the content management if they want us to or they can use our content management tool, which is BitShuttle. And Spectrum's like that personified, right? So we create content for them. We build the apps. We, we supply all their digital within their uh, retail locations. We're heavily involved in their flagship stores, which have a lot of like multiple screen use, like we call ribbon content. So content running across multiple screens, um, a lot of really fun stuff like that. We're doing a lot of animation work, so we are developing content for them. That's great because there's a lot of disruption in, in telecom, and I think it's uh, sounds like you guys are help making Spectrum sexy in a way, right? With brand experiences, I don't know if you would automatically assume they would have one. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I it's powerful, you know, having digital. There, a case study of like, all right, well, effective digital helps. You can have a telecom company feel like a DMV or you can right. have it feel like a brand. Mm -hmm. And we, and I'm proud to say like, we, we help them feel like a brand. 
And they're Absolutely. great. They're like great people to work with too. So, so we have a lot of re- retailers who tune in and from your perspective, being on the retail side, being on the agency side, no one has a crystal ball. I like to say that because, you know, we can't predict the future, but what things do you think retailers should be doing now or brands to prepare for the next three years? Well, I think I touched on it a lot throughout this discussion. It has to first happen on their side, right? So like how how they're structured or how they're collaborating internally. You know, like we, we touched on that a lot earlier. Like if they are separate teams handling, <laughs> you know, digital retail versus retail, traditional retail, they need to uh, close that gap. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to advise companies of like restructuring, but you know, close that gap because retail is retail. You know, if you take that customer view, if you step back and say like, all right, well, I'm a customer to somebody. Like, how do I, you know, how do I want this to be? How do I expect this to be? You know, I, I think a lot of companies don't do that. A lot of companies, self-included when I was on the brand side, have this like picture of their customer and they forget that they're customers themselves. And so like step back and say like, does it really matter? Let's go forward in a way that's hand in hand and meet the customers where the customers expect you to meet them. Don't expect them to come to you. Brand allegiance is tenuous. It's kind of cool to not be associated with a big brand. Big brands don't have the power they used to where they can just dictate a future that their customers are going to respond to. It might sound a little bit extreme, but, you know, I mean, it's being real. Like, so go to where they are. Make sure you go to where they are and whatever it takes to do that, whether you're partnering with somebody or, you know, like I said, the way that you're approaching it on the internal side, that's what you got to do. Definitely. And you're touching on some, you know, human behavior. And I know you said you're not a sociologist, but a little bit about how it's it's not cool to be associated with big brands in, in some circles. Uh, that's where it's headed. You want kind of to be unique, right? Everyone's trying to have their, their own thing. So do you think that post-pandemic, how can a big box not be so big box? Another word that was flown around a lot, maybe in the last five or more years was be authentic, right? So you hear a lot of marketers like, we're going to be authentic. We're going to be an authentic brand. No, no, no. Be relevant. (laughs) Be relevant. If if you're making something that people want, just, just be relevant. Don't try to be something bigger, you know, like talk about how you're differentiating yourself and that's going to resonate. Maybe it's a, a little bit easier said than done. That's how I see it. That's how people are going to be drawn to something if it feels relevant to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably one of the hardest uh, parts about being a retailer, right? Keeping up and, and staying relevant. Be in reach, right? Like, be accessible, be relevant. Don't try to pull the wool over somebody's eyes because quite honestly, that you can't. You can't fake it these days because that's going to be a major turnoff for a lot of people. Cool. Well, Jeremy, this was a great call. Totally enjoyed speaking with you and learning about what you're doing now. (laughs) Yeah, it's exciting. It's so great talking to you. You've been listening to Rethink Retail. For all the latest news on commerce and trends, join the discussion. Rethink.industries 